Hi, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale. This is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching and re-watching and occasionally talk about my life. This episode is going to be a year in review of all of the stuff I loved and didn't love or watched and just my thoughts on maybe not all the television I consumed this year, but the memorable ones. I do have notes. Before I get to that, I am going to do a little life update, talk about my life. So if you don't care about that, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the other stuff eventually. But I'm feeling really emotional right now because I'm recording this episode in my parents' basement. And I started this podcast in February of this year, and especially because this is the last episode um, of 2022. And I started this podcast in February of this year, and I took six months off when I moved to LA and started a job, like started a full-time professional newspaper designer job. And I recorded an episode last week in my parents' house, but I did it in my room um, because my brother was staying in the basement. And there was just something very emotional for me for some reason about um, being here recording this episode. My parents are selling this house. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that in this intro because I've recorded it like three times now, but my parents are selling this house. So this is the last time possibly, I don't know. I'm planning to come back early next year to get all of my things in order, but I don't know if this is the last podcast I will ever record in the basement where the whole thing started and I'm feeling very emotional about it um because this podcast is still very small and um I recently transitioned into audio only so I'm still figuring out kind of how to do the podcast thing without YouTube because I feel like I understood YouTube a bit more but I just don't have the time to edit video like I did when I was unemployed <laughs> living in my parents house at the beginning of this year audio only is the best decision for me and I'm really enjoying it like I genuinely I don't feel like the podcast is less enjoyable or or like like it's just as fun for me as it was when I started at the beginning of the year um and it's a lot less pressure because I don't feel like I have to dress up and look cute and it takes a lot less time for me to edit um which is very convenient for me now that I have a full-time job I don't know I've been feeling very nostalgic because I found out that um they were selling the house like a week before I came out here for Christmas and it's just kind of overwhelming like really overwhelming because this was my last Christmas in this house and I it really hit me when my parents left um my parents and my brother left for a trip yesterday and it just hit me that like Christmas was really over and the holiday season in this house was really over um so I've just been very emotional about that and I could have recorded the this episode in my room I last week was really anxious recording in my room because I felt like I was being kind of loud and I always record these late um but I could like I didn't wake anybody up (laughs) so I, I could but I wanted to do it in my parents basement and I will do a little general year in review at the end of this about all of that, but I just, I don't know. I wanted to say that at the top of the show because I'm feeling very emotional. Like I, I, 
I it feels very stupid to be like of how far this podcast has come because this is only my 21st episode and again I took six months off in the year and I have like seven followers on Spotify like I'm still a very small podcast a tiny teeny tiny podcast but I don't know there's something emotional about recording this where I use where I recorded the first one and I just I wanted to say that in case I sound stupid I don't know (laughs) so as I said this episode is my thoughts overarching on the television I consumed um I do have categories and I'm gonna end with shows I rewatched just so I don't like I don't know so I can get the new stuff out of the way first if that makes sense. I'm starting with reality TV. I I split this into categories. So if you don't care about reality TV, maybe like just keep fast forwarding until you get to a part that you care about. I don't really know. So first thing I need to talk about in terms of reality TV is obviously the Bachelor franchise um, and the three seasons of the franchise we saw this year, 2022. So it started off with The Bachelor, obviously Clayton as The Bachelor. And I will say, I was like, why is Clayton The Bachelor? Because we knew nothing about him. And his season was really frustrating to watch because I, it was, it was just, it was frustrating to watch. Um, The Shanae stuff, the, like, that season was such a shit show. And then the ceremony, the rose ceremony from hell. I actually have a podcast episode where I did a whole like I, I did a whole episode just on my thoughts on the finale and I and I do have to say in retrospect now I was very harsh on Clayton and I feel like I try very hard even when I'm harsh to contestants because I do criticize certain things that contestants say or do or behaviors or choices they make I try to always qualify it um or put like a caveat or like I try to always present my critiques of contestants on the bachelor franchise with the knowledge of like they they are in a very highly manipulated like toxic environment it's very manufactured like there's editing like I try to always qualify it by being like I'm not saying this about them as people I'm saying based off of what we saw this is my interpretation um so I do feel like I was kind of harsh on Clayton um I remember being like he when he broke up with Gabby and Rachel together, like, I was like, why are you doing that? But, like, logically, he doesn't have as much free will as we might think. Like, it's not a real-world situation. The producers are probably like, you have to go, they're both together, break up with them together. And Clayton, I think maybe his biggest flaw was that he wasn't aware. I think a good lead is aware of the ways and good contestants too, I feel like have to be aware of the ways that producers are trying to manipulate you so you can push back. Um, Obviously, there's only so much you can push back and it's like easier said than done. But I think as a lead, you have more power to be like, no. And I do think leads that say no sometimes can get bill and edits and like, it's a whole thing. But I think that as a lead, you have a little bit more power to be like, no, I'm going to break up with them individually. And I just don't think maybe Clayton knew that or realized that um and so I think a lot of his like mistakes were probably just very very like caused by producers and I think that the backlash he received and like the way the producers kept like in the next season being like Clayton sucks and the narrative kept being like Clayton is the worst I think 
honestly, it, it was unnecessary. And I think that's for me when I really started being like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Because there are certain contestants where I feel like even if producers, like, I feel like when the producers are trying to tell me <laughs> that somebody sucks so badly, it makes me be like, why do you want me to think they suck? And it makes me question, like, their negative behavior from before, if that makes sense. So I do feel differently about Clayton now. That season, I don't really know if I liked it. Um, it, it was just, I don't know. I, I really loved seeing Gabby as a contestant. I loved Rachel as a contestant. I was very happy when they were announced co-bachelorettes. Um, and although I, I was wary of their season because I, again, do not have faith in the Bachelor producers. So I was glad when Clayton's season was over. I didn't really think him and Susie were gonna last, but I wanted them to. I, they were a couple that I feel like and I've, I've seen this before many times where I saw their personalities more when they were like on social media than I did on the show. So I was rooting for them and they're no longer together, but um, I do wish them individually the best. And that season was not the best Bachelor season I've seen in a while because again, the the drama felt very, I don't know. And the finale, everybody was like, it's the most dramatic finale ever. ever. And again, I did a whole podcast episode on it, but I don't feel like it was that dramatic. Like it's all stuff I've seen. It just gave me a lot of whiplash. There was a lot of back and forth. And I think a lot of it is probably just the environment and the producers and the manipulation and a lot of things beyond just like people's faults in relationships. Like, I don't think it's like Clayton's fault as like a partner or like, I, I think it was just the environment. Um, but I don't know if that made any sense. So then The Bachelorettes, with an S at the end. The Bachelorettes season was unbelievably also frustrating for me to watch because I think they announced it, like I genuinely feel like when they announced it, it was kind of like a last second thing. I don't think they were like, guys, what if this next season we do two Bachelorettes? I think it was a thing where people were so, felt so bad for Gabby and Rachel that they were like, well, we'll make them together. And they kind of just didn't know what the structure was going to be like. And there was a lot of like, I don't know, things were, the producers were so clearly figuring it out as they went. And I feel like they should have mapped it out of like, when is there going to be a cutoff of like, you can't go back and forth. And like, there were just so many things. And the way the contestants spoke to the lead, because they had more options than just the one person. It was a very interesting way to to see all the ways that the regular format of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, like ways that when that's changed, like how much things change because it's like the way the guys spoke to the lead, that was complete, like that, a lot of the things they said to Gabby um, or, th- or people turning down Rachel, it's like that doesn't happen that much when it's like that's your only option to stay on the show, you know? So there were a lot of dynamics that were just different from like a regular season. And I think my biggest critique of The Bachelorette season was that it was rushed. We didn't get enough time to develop, like to, to feel a certain way about any of the contestants and their relationships because there were so many, because there were two leads and I was just not a fan of the two leads structure. I don't think it works. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. I also feel like because The Bachelor refuses to just not pit women against each other, it became very much like one of them is the good bachelorette, Gabby, and one of them is the like 
bad bachelorette because people always have to have somebody to hate when they watch TV, even reality TV. And I think the two leads allowed people to do that in a different way and in a way I did not like. I don't know. I think Rachel would have been a wonderful contestant on Bachelor in Paradise, I think. Or maybe she would have even been a, a more confident and like interesting bachelorette by herself. But I think doing it with somebody else, as much as she's always like, I, I, I'm, I'm sure she is grateful she had Gabby because it is probably very validating to have somebody who's literally going through similar things. I don't know. There were a lot of clear benefits and negatives of having a co-lead, I think. And I think it really hit Rachel really hard. I think she would have done so well on Bachelor in Paradise and they should have had Gabby be a, the sole bachelorette. Um, there was no need to do two leads. It just, I don't know. And none of the relationships lasted, so it didn't even produce higher odds or whatever. Like, it was just not a good decision. And then we get to Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise, I think, was really when I was like, they just, they just are done with pretending the show is real apparently because obviously the produ like the bachelor has been a very manipulated show for a while and that's like a thing that they do i just feel like this season of bachelor in paradise i don't know some people loved the season of bachelor in paradise because so many people were like suffering but the thing is <laughs> Um, we're not suffering, but there was a lot of drama. And here's the thing. I like a good amount of drama. I'm not somebody who only watches reality TV for like the relationships because logically when I get attached to a relationship, I'm like, Emmy, let's be real. It's not going to last. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but more often than not on The Bachelor, they don't. So I just try not to get attached to Bachelor relationships. I don't watch it invested in a love story. Do I hope it happens? Yeah, like I, I'm very happy when it does, but I watch it more because it's a very interesting, I don't know, the thing about The Bachelor, and I wish producers knew this, and it was like my biggest complaint about Bachelor in Paradise, is that the structure of the show and the fact that you're isolated from friends and family, you don't have access to TV, to, to any, any form of media, um, your phones, like the outside world, um, and in The Bachelor specifically, or The Bachelorette, you're competing for one person. Like, you, like it's a very already mind-fucking environment, pardon my language, where they really don't need to torture them. In people's day-to-day -day lives, there's drama and there's interpersonal relationships. Imagine that heightened, because you can't escape. You're all in the same place. You're, like, away from your support system. You're away from your routine. Like, there are a lot... Like, it's already going to make people... Like, it, conflict is already going to happen. And I think I've seen people say it before about Alon Gale, but he was um, an executive producer of The Bachelor for a while, and now he no longer works for them. And I saw somebody say once, or heard somebody say once, that he, like, knew the perfect balance of, like, nudging situations, but not pushing it too far where it felt, like, very clearly manufactured and manipulated. And I just think that the show is getting to a point where it's, like, it's just so unbelievably like manufactured where it makes it just frustrating to watch. The contestants don't seem like they're having a good time. Um, there's gonna be drama anyway. Not everybody's gonna get along. Like you don't need to instigate drama because honestly that drama is less interesting than the drama that just happens naturally. Um, because of misunderstandings or miscommunications or people not liking each other. That stuff is so fascinating. Like you watch old seasons of The Bachelor and it's like, uh, or The Bachelorette, and it's like, and obviously the show's always been manufactured and like, like produced. I'm not saying that it's not a produced television show. 
Um, but I think they've just, the producers now are getting to a point where I think they're always trying to be the most dramatic season finale, the most, like, you know, the most tears. Like, they're always trying to up them, like, up themselves in a way that just creates, like, very manufactured, produced television in a, like, way that is just not fun to watch. Um, and honestly, it's not going to get good contestants on your show. Like, if people are watching the show... They're not going to want it. Like, you're not making it an enticing. The Bachelor, and don't get me wrong, people are still going to go on the show because you can get a social media following of it. But I feel like there was, like, a golden age where, like, you would go on the show and it was hard. But, like, unless you were the villain um, or something, like, you could probably get out without too bad of, like, an edit or too bad of an impact on, like, your image and then, like, get a good amount of following. And the numbers have just gone down because... Um, network TV just isn't doing the same as streaming is and like not like now you just go on you get like tortured in a way that you maybe didn't and you don't even really get a benefit from it because you can't really gain social media influence the same Um, and if you do it's like rare like it's a lot harder to do that now so I I I just I don't know I'm not even at this point I I could talk about The Bachelor for hours um Bachelor in Paradise this season I don't even I don't even remember like that many of the details because it also went on for way too long like they made it go on for way too long I can't even remember everything that happened like there was too much I don't know I don't even remember which couples oh oh my god no this season of Bachelor in Paradise genuinely like gives me a headache um the greg victoria johnny debacle like every like the season and that's another thing <laughs> like one of my biggest I, I guess my one of my biggest com- complaints about the show like everything that happened on the beach was that a lot of it just felt too produced and manufactured with split week and and stuff like that there was also like looking back on the season as a whole there was so much filler and then they rushed through the finale like that was the part that I actually wanted to know more about and I am always somebody who's like the finales are so rushed and for once I was like this or the finales are always drag on and this was once where I was like the finale could have been like four hours and I would have like watched every single part of it so I I I just don't know I was I wasn't a huge fan of the season of Bachelor in Paradise um I think that they should stick to the regular amount of episodes they should interfere less with people (laughs) like just don't do split week again like there are just so many things where they're trying to make it more dramatic and it just makes it more miserable because I I don't want to watch people being miserable on TV. Like, do I want to watch conflict? Yeah, conflict is interesting. But people being miserable or people being tortured by, like, like, that's not fun for me. It's not. Um, So I just, I, I was, I wasn't a big fan. And I don't even really remember many of the couples. Like, who else is there besides Serene and Brandon? Was there somebody else? Because I don't remember anybody else. I'm very happy for Serene and Brandon, okay? I like them. It, um... She's a Gemini, he's a Leo. I love that. I would love to date a Leo. So um, if you're the, if you're like Brandon vibe Leo, I think he probably has a water moon or water rising because he is so emotional. Um, I would love to see his birth chart. Maybe Bachelor Horoscopes has it. But anyways, I've gone on too long talking about The Bachelor. I have so many other shows I need to talk about. Okay, I'm going to continue the reality TV (laughs) thing. So a few Netflix reality shows that I watched. Um, One was obviously the most recent season of Love is Blind. I have so many thoughts on that. I really liked it. I think 
season one was really good and then season two was just not as interesting for me. I, there weren't that many couples where I felt invested in them. And this season, I liked it a little bit more than last season because there, there, there was at least one couple, Alexa and Brennan, I think is his name. Um, the, when I was watching it, I was like, I, 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 I feel like they're good together and I see them lasting where I didn't feel that way about any couple last season. And I, I just think Love is Blind is like, it's obviously very early in, in the way it works, but I, I think Game of Roses, a Bachelor podcast I really love, um, they've been reviewing it um, episode, like two episodes at a time. They've been like rewatching season three. And I think um, they said something that was really like smart and I agree with that I feel like they're still figuring out their format in the way that like The Bachelor has already like honed out and like the structure is very set um, in like when you do overnight dates and when you meet the family where like Love is Blind is like on season three, like it's so early. And I think that there are like little tweaks that they could make to make the pace be better um because I do think that is one thing about The Bachelor that it has really good pacing where it gets more interesting and more high stakes at the end where I think Love is Blind has a little bit of a dip um and I think they need to figure that out but I liked this season um I'm excited for the next season I know that they've been like that they film I don't know if they've already filmed season four but I know they filmed seasons two and three like really close to each other so I don't know um one of my biggest critiques of Love is Blind is when they do the reunions, like they re they release them like a have out, like, um, and not the like recap at the end. I mean, when they do like after the altar, those like, they always release them like six months after they filmed. And I know the last one, like the one they released for season two was like super not updated. Um, like half the couples that were like on the rocks or like still together, like two of them were divorced. Maybe instead of focusing on like recording seasons back to back and editing them, like I, I, I don't know. I feel like Netflix should like, I don't know, have one season bookended before they start another one because I think it's frustrating as a viewer. But that's my biggest critique on Love is Blind. Another Netflix show I watched actually um, also hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey was The Ultimatum. Um, I was not a big fan. I wouldn't recommend it. It, was, it wasn't the most interesting show for me to watch personally I mean it was like fine but I just didn't love it basically it's about all these couples that are together and one person is like given the ultimatum so they like have to switch partners with somebody else for like a week and then um they go back and they live with like their original partner and then at the end they want to decide if they do want to get married or they want to like break up or something it's like the ultimatum marry and move, move on I don't really know I feel like there are shows that probably do things like I feel like Temptation Island obviously is not the same thing because you don't like pick another partner and switch but I think Temptation Island is kind of it, it I've never seen it but from my understanding it has like the same premise of like people who are at an impasse like you separate and you explore their connections and then at the end you decide if you want to continue with the person you're with and I feel like Temptation Island's been around longer they probably perfected the format a bit more um and I I just I didn't love the ultimatum I, I wouldn't really recommend it um if you liked it good for you okay <laughs> next reality t tv show that I watched this year was Big Brother 24, season 24, and I loved it. Um, it aired over the summer. I am not a live feeder because I don't have Paramount Plus, 
I did log on to my sister's Paramount Plus and watch some feeds on occasion, but um, I don't own Paramount Plus on my own, so I did not watch live feeds, but I do keep up with the... Like, I follow Big Brother updates on Twitter, and I do, like, I do try to follow along what's happening on feeds, even if I'm not watching it. Like, I, I don't just take what's happening at the edit. Um, but I, I really liked this season. I know some people have said it was a boring season. <laughs> That's really just one former contestant who is bitter, who said it was a boring season because he didn't make it that long. But it, it, I actually think it was a really interesting season. The, the, contestants were really interesting the power dynamic shifted it wasn't like a steamroll like there was a big alliance and then like they got blindsided by another big alliance like a, like all the outsiders in the house were like they called themselves the leftovers like they teamed up like they they flipped the house like things became interesting like the target like I, I I feel like it was a very fascinating season um, and the person I wanted to win won. So I would really recommend watching it. I would also recommend watching, I don't remember what the name of the creator is called, but there's a video on YouTube called How Taylor Hale Won Big Brother 24. I would recommend watching that video because um, he brings up things that happened on the feeds that casual viewers wouldn't know. And there are even some like details that I feel like I knew, but I didn't know everything. And it really gave me clarity um, on, not clarity, but like, I don't know, clarity sounded dramatic, but it, it really, I, I wanted her to win and I felt like she deserved to win after everything she had endured. And I think she, for me, one of the biggest reasons that I was always like, Taylor deserves the win is because of her jury management. Like there were people who hated her at the beginning of the show, like wanted her out that were like cheering for her and rooting her on by the time she sat in those final two chairs. That... And like on some level, that's testament to just being a good person and having people like, like, you know, maybe that's not like a strategy or social game, like, or like a game aspect, but I think it's really important. And it's a really like jury management is something that I feel like a lot of people just forget when they get to the end. And it's just like, they're so focused on winning competitions or like strategically outwinning people that they forget that. And I just think her jury management was like phenomenal. And I think We've seen so many people in recent years like lose because they had shitty poor, they they had shitty jury management. And I think it really can't be underestimated um, or undervalued enough how important that is because this YouTuber said, and I can't remember his name, I'm so sorry. He was like, at the end of the day, Big Brother is a game you win by winning over jury votes. Like that, that's how you win the jury. And it it's true, it's true. Like the fact that there are people that like hated her, wanted her out at the beginning of the season, not only like came around and didn't hate her, but wanted her to win and voted for her to win. And we're so excited to see her win. Like to me, that is just, how can you say she's not a good player? That to me is a good player. Sorry, it just is. Training management is really important. Um, I, th I think it's something that's overlooked. And I don't even think necessarily, and the fact that she was like, treated horrendously and she was bullied and still managed to just like be good enough like be good enough and kind enough to people and compassionate enough to people and like rise above any like to the point where people then liked her and like loved her and were rooting for her that to me is just like it's a wonderful like arc it's a wonderful story she made history um she was great at the game I I love her as a person and I'm glad she won um yeah 
but it was a really interesting interesting season beyond that there was a, um, a competitor who his name's michael he like broke records he was really good comp beast he kind of broke the mold of what i think a lot of people consider like a lot of the times in the game people who are like strong muscular those are like people who are like interpreted as threats and like competition beasts and he like didn't fit that stereotypical mold but he still was like a comp beast and like broke a record now, i recommend the season if you haven't watched big brother before i still recommend it i also recommend last season of big brother big brother 23 um the last reality show that i have on my list is i this year binged all of keeping up with the kardashians from the first season to the last season and then I, I watched their new show. But I, I had started watching their new show like when it was airing anyway. I think before I started Keeping Up With The Kardashians, I can't remember. I really liked Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Honestly, I feel like the earlier seasons are, are good. The more rich and out of touch they get, the more not fun the show is to watch. And don't get me wrong, they're always like, they're rich from the beginning and like, you know, but I think as they become more and more famous, and I think, I don't know if this is the only reason that I don't love their new series, but it's just like the Kardashians, I feel like when I watch them, I'm like, they're so out of touch and so like on a like level that I don't understand that I just like, it. it's frustrating and it's annoying to watch. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Kardashians. I, I've never been a fan of the Kardashians, but I wanted some kind of reality TV to watch. Um, in the Bachelor off season because there was a larger time between the Bachelor ending and the Bachelorette starting probably because it was twice as long so I was like I'll watch Keeping Up With The Kardashians and I enjoyed it but again as it got to the later seasons it, it wasn't as interesting to me. <laughs> Would I recommend Keeping Up With The Kardashians? I don't really know. Probably not. I really wouldn't recommend their new show. I don't find it interesting. The one thing I will say about the Kardashians is that I feel like they are so out of touch and maybe their PR people are just so rich that they're so out of touch that I feel like they don't understand. Like they will respond to criticism and I'm like, you are missing the point of why people are upset with you. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Like I needed to mention that because I'm not a liar. Okay. Um, am I ashamed? A little bit, but I consider myself a pop culture icon up <laughs> i like to be in the know of things and i feel like keeping up with the kardashians on some level is somewhat relevant you know they're relevant to media so i, I, I wanted to know and um there are some really funny sounds from the earlier seasons you know this is the land of your people this is not the land this is glendale that was iconic every time i'm in glendale now that i live in la i'm like this is the land of your people so i don't know <laughs> just my thoughts um i put shark tank on the list with reality shows because i don't really know what it would be categorized as um but i love shark tank as per usual i can't think of anything that i watched like from like this year like any new products that i've started i feel like granola butter was this year i feel like i don't know i love shark tank um been watching it forever they did like for the premiere of their new season they did like a live episode i don't think they should do that again it didn't work it didn't work. Um, it was interesting to watch, but I just think they should stick to the like pre-recorded stuff. Some people are better live and some people are better pre-recorded. Shark Tank, I think, just works better when there's more time to get all the details and then the editors can condense it to the stuff that is just most relevant to viewers, you know? So next category I have are like sitcoms or like 30-minute shows. 
Um, Abbott Elementary I started this year. I, I, I hadn't seen the first season, but when the f- second season came out, I was like, let me watch it. It's great. I love it. I, wa- I watch it every week now. I cannot say enough like wonderful things about uh, Abbott Elementary. I was kind of hesitant because I was like, do I really want to watch a show about like elementary school? But like the kids are such minor, like it's really about the teachers, which I knew, but like, I don't know. I I think it's really well done. I don't think that child actors or children should be like main characters and things um, like 90% of the time. So I don't know. I think it's really well done and all the actors, it's just, it's such a funny show. And it's a nice 30-minute watch once a week. Big fan. Another show that I also started is Home Economics. Also a big fan. I don't love it as much as Abbott Elementary, but I, it's a great show. It's fun seeing the guy from that 70s show. <laughs> These are just kind of shows that are like, I, I don't, there are some shows, like I, I still watch Law & Order SVU, even though I, you know, ACAB and all of that, just because I'm I'm too like attached to Law & Order SVU. And there are just some weeks where I'm like, I can't watch, I, I, you know, some sometimes I'm just not in the mood. It's too heavy. Um, Abbott Elementary and Home Economics are shows that I'm always like, I, I can watch. I can, no matter how I'm feeling, I can watch them and they will make me smile. So big fan. And then the third and last one I have on the list of like sitcom shorter shows, because those aren't really the type of shows I tend to watch, is Single Drunk Female. I loved this show. Um, I, I think it's funny, it's smart, the characters are really interesting, and I think it talks about alcoholism and addiction in a really interesting way and nuanced way. I don't know. I'm not an alcoholic, um, so obviously speaking from an outsider's perspective but I have dealt with like group therapies and like being like in a psych ward not that she was in a psych ward but she went to like rehab for like anyways I I don't know that exact experience but I do understand like mental health issues surfacing in unhealthy coping mechanisms I have experience in that maybe for me it's not alcohol but I have other you know um I just thought it was really well done and I thought it was funny um, and smart and enjoyable and I liked it. I want to rewatch it. I really enjoyed it. I don't have much intelligent commentary on it, but I do recommend it. I don't know if it got picked up for a second season, but I hope it did because big fan. Miscellaneous slash shows that were primarily on streaming. Inventing Anna. I I watched the show twice, once with my parents and... um, I died at the end when the friend Rachel was like, said she went to Kenyon College. Um, Because she actually did, like, the the person it's based off of did go to Kenyon and she wrote a book about, like, her experience with Anna Delvey. And I I didn't know any of this, Um, which was disappointing to me because I like to consider myself, like, I I like to know who went to Kenyon. I I, like, I try to research alum, you know, I, I like to know that stuff. I had no idea. I liked the show. Um, I don't think I'd rewatch it again. Like I watched it back because I like watching things I've already seen, but watching my parents' reactions to it the first time. It was a, it, it was an interesting show. It was fun. I like that it was one of those shows where it's like, we're not going to get a second season. Um, and that's nice. I, I don't think every show needs a second season. Like it was, it was a fun show. Some people said that I like glamorized like her life as a scam artist. And I never felt that way. I don't know. I know the real person, Kenyon alum, Rachel, who the character is based off of, was really upset about the show. Like, I, I know she was upset about it, but I just, I just don't really feel like she came across in a negative light. Especially, like, not more than Anna. Like, Anna was, like, a scam artist. Like, like to me, if you came away from that show 
being like, oh my God, Anna Delvey is such an icon, like girl boss, you know, I feel like you missed the point. Like to me, it was like people care so much about wealth and status that they like scam and screw people over. Like for me, it was never glorifying her. I, 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 I never throughout it was like, I like Anna. I was like, she's kind of a sociopath. Like, I, or I don't want to diagnose her. I don't know anything about her, but it's like, I feel like the overarching message of the show is not like, this is somebody you should emulate or aspire to. It was like, this girl clearly is messed up in some level that she is so desperate for this. I don't know. To me, she came across as a deeply unhappy, something else was going on kind of person. Like, I, I, I don't really see it glamorizing her in any way. So the summer I turned pretty. I haven't read the book, but I really like the series. Um, I don't know where I fall in the team, teams, um, the love triangle. I don't think I've ever watched or read something where you're in, a, where the character is in a love triangle with two brothers. And I have to say, I'm not a fan. I mean, this can be kind of uncomfortable. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, um, a fan of the two brothers. I like the show. I'm not saying I wasn't a fan of the show or the plot. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, a lot. It was a fun show. I'm excited for season two. I, I liked it. I would recommend it. U Euphoria, I hadn't watched the whole season. I hadn't watched season one all the way through. Um, but I did. I had watched somebody watching it on YouTube. <laughs> it sounds so like stupid, but sometimes when I don't want to watch something or I, I'm like unsure if I'm going to like it, I watch somebody reacting to it and like making commentary on it on YouTube before I like watch it or decide that I want to watch it. Um, I like doing that also with shows I've already seen and hearing people's commentary. But for Euphoria, there's a YouTuber I really like, um, your internet mom, Ash. She, she like watched Euphoria episode to episode season one. So I, I had already seen that. So I knew the general plot, but I had never watched Euphoria all the way through uncensored because obviously she's watching it on YouTube. So like a lot of stuff is centered, censored. And I liked season one and then I watched season two every week and I, I really liked season two. I liked that Lexi got more of a spotlight because she was my favorite character. I loved the play. That plot, I think, was one of my favorite plots. I'm excited for season three. Yeah, I, I like the show. Is it my favorite show in the entire world? No. That, that show, I, I, I don't know if I saw this in a tweet once or somebody said it to me, but like when Euphoria is good, it's so good. But when Euphoria is like not that good, it just falls flat and it's like fine. And I feel that way because there's some episodes and moments that are just so good and so powerful and captivating and enjoyable. And then there are some episodes where I come away and I'm like, damn, nothing happened. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Euphoria. Okay? Not hating on Euphoria. And then Sex Lives of College Girls, obviously that's gonna, that's like top 10 favorite shows um, that I consumed this year. I mean, obviously season one was last year. I already did a very long recap review of Sex Lives of College Girls season two. So if you happen upon this and you haven't listened to that, but you want to hear it, please check it out. I spent a long time on it. It was episode 19, I believe. Um, and then White Lotus season two, I've also talked about it a little bit, not as in depth, but White Lotus season two, iconic. I was talking to my mom about it yesterday and she was like watching it and my dad like wasn't he hadn't seen like all the episodes up to where she was and he was like that's okay like just let me know what happens so I know the general gist and she was like when I was thinking about it I was like man nothing good happens in this show she was like every single character like all this shit is happening to them to them um and I was like well they're in Sicily and my mom was like yeah they're in Sicily it's like the one good thing that's happening to people um 
You know who really left out? The Mia and Lucia. They, they were happy at the end. They are the true winners of the show, as they should have been. As they should have been. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a great. I'm excited to see what the next season is going to be. Um, but I just have such a like soft spot in my heart for Italy. So I, I just don't know. Like, I love Italy. Probably because I'm part Italian. So it's just, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not going to count season three out. We'll see what happens. I also, it wasn't this year. It was at the end of last year. I watched Succession all three seasons. Um, I'm excited for the next season. I don't know when that's coming out. But right after season three ended, I I watched the whole thing um, because everybody was like, Succession's the best show. It is really good. It is really good. Um, and then another show that was like I watched on streaming was Wednesday. I think I've also talked about this before. I really loved it. Jenna Ortega is just such a good actress. Everything I see her in, like I feel like I'm watching the character. I don't feel like I'm watching Jenna Ortega. And that is exactly for me what I like to watch when I'm watching an actor. Um, and I never feel like if I'm watching her in one show, I don't feel like, oh, I'm watching Jenna Ortega or I'm watching another character she played like again. Like she just, she's, re she's really, really good. I love her. And that was, I really want to rewatch it. Like it was, Wednesday is not the type of show I normally watch. Like I'm not typically into like supernatural type stuff or like people with powers or like I've never really watch the Addams Family. It's not typically the kind of thing that's up my alley, like Tim Burton, like that kind of stuff. It's really not. But I really like Jenna Ortega and I was intrigued and I watched it and I loved it. And it's actually probably like one of my favorite shows that I watched this year, um, which if you had told me that before I went into it, I would have been kind of like surprised. Um, but she's just so good and the characters are so good and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm excited. I don't know if it's been picked up for a season two, but I imagine it will be because it broke records. So the next category I have on here are reboots and spinoffs. So Gossip Girl, the new one I already talked about in my last episode, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Georgina Sparks is back. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited because Georgina Sparks, Sparks like knows how to make a show good. She like, I'm, I'm so excited. I hope she's like, like, I'm excited. I feel like Georgina Sparks is gonna... I said in my last episode that I feel like Gossip Girl hasn't been, like, a looming, scary presence on the kids. Most of the Gossip Girl storylines are about the teachers. They're not about, like, the students being scared of, like, this person, like, finding... Like, it's just not as interesting to me. <laughs> it's not... Even, like, in the last episode, there was, like... Zoya, in, in the episode before, she had gone to Philadelphia and she had said her name was Monet Dehan and she had had sex with somebody. And we find out in this episode that there's a sex tape. And even that it was like some anonymous person like slid into Monet's DMs. It would have been more interesting if like Gossip Girl, and this is, I feel like is how this plot line would have worked in the original show where it's like Gossip Girl somehow unbeknownst to us like we have no idea got a hold of the sex tape like that would be more the I think because we know who Gossip Girl is like it's not I, I don't know if that was the right choice I don't know if that was the right choice I feel like it's made Gossip Girl not as a threat like not as threatening of a presence I do like the, that the cast is more like diverse and like I, I do appreciate the storylines that aren't just about the same kind of people there are just some things that I, I feel like it, it's not doing yet but I feel like it can it can I feel like it can get there I really do 
I, I'm, I'm not somebody who wants to get canceled or thinks it's a horrible show. How I Met Your Father. I loved this show. It was, it was really silly and it was fun. And I think, I don't know. I really like that we don't see the kid um, from the beginning. She's just, we see future Sophie talking to a screen, but we don't see the kid. So we don't know. We can't, you know, be like, we know that somebody we've already met is the father um, because the first episode instead of it being like the whole thing is leading up to the mother of like when he meets the mother the whole like the first episode the pilot episode we find out that was the night that she met the father but we don't know obviously if the father is who she ends up with we can't see the kid so we can't guess because there's not just white people so it would it would give something away um like there's a lot of factors that and also because you can't see the kid like they don't have to like pigeonhole themselves into like or like commit to like an ending like 10 years before the show is like written out um because i think there are some shows where having a clear ending in mind works but i think sometimes when you're writing if you're writing characters characters over nine seasons um but the ending you originally wanted nine years ago doesn't fit the characters now you have to undo all this character development that you did and i think that was one of the most frustrating parts of how i met your mother and i think that's a good thing that how i met your mom how I met your father did that it didn't pigeonhole itself into an ending from the beginning because we don't see the kid so they don't even have to like have the father picked out I guess if they don't want to yet um they don't have to have like the age of the actor isn't going to change so they don't have to film all that stuff years before like I don't know I, I I think there are a lot of like a lot of things that how I met your mother maybe like should have done a little bit differently than How I Met Your Father does. I like the characters. Hilary Duff is killing it. Like, I, I I enjoyed the show. I'm excited. I think it got a season two. I'm excited for season two. Um, I don't know who I think the father is. I think the twist is going to be that... Because the one, like, the big twist at the end of How I Met Your Mother was that the whole point was that he wanted to end up with Robin. I think How I Met Your Father is going to be somewhat similar in that the father is not necessarily going to be the person she ends up with. The last show I have on my list for reboots and spinoffs is Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. I don't know if I've talked about this before, um, like the show, but I loved it. I loved Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. I watched all the episodes probably at this point like three times. Um, and I never do that with shows that like are like freshly out, but literally like the episode, like after the first episode came out, I like rewatched it ahead of the second episode and I did that like going forward like I don't typically do that but I was so interested in like picking up theories and like like I was very invested I like the characters I like the way that it feels like it's it's its own show there's not you know there were little hints when they went to Rosewood but besides that it's like its own show the characters are their own um, I liked the element of the moms and the flashbacks and like the way, I don't know, it's like that <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis thing where she's like, it's about generational generational trauma. I like that it's on streaming so the characters can curse. I think Pretty Little Liars started off just being about like threatening texts and then slowly people died and it got like a lot more gory. Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, like I feel like from the beginning is like very intense and a lot more horror-esque in a way. I think Pretty Little Liars, Pretty Little Liars, the original like built up to um and in a way that when I was watching it as a teenager honestly kind of frustrated me I didn't love as much because I was like I I, I feel like if the vibe of the show kept going from what season one was it, it would have been more enjoyable to me now as an adult who has rewatched all of Pretty Little Pretty Little Liars I, pre I appreciate all of it like 
genuinely like now I'm I'm not like as I don't know but for a while it felt like when I was watching it I was like I don't feel like it knows what it wants to be like suddenly it's a lot scarier than it than the show I committed to and I originally stopped watching Pretty, Pretty Little Liars when I was younger but I'll get to that when I talk about shows I rewatched this year but yeah I would really recommend Pretty Little Liars Original Sin you don't even have to have watched the original I mean you don't really have to watch the original for Gossip Girl Gossip Girl or How I Met Your Father either. Excited for the next season, hopefully. Final category is shows I rewatched this year. At the top of the list is Pretty Little Liars. Um, I really started my year off with a rewatch because of Mike's Mike. My sister sent me his deep dive into season, like into the, like the beginning and I watched it. And then I was like, honestly, before the other two parts come out, I kind of want to rewatch the whole thing. As I said earlier, I never finished Pretty Little Liars when I was watching it when I was younger. I watched like up until they revealed that CC Drake was A, was like the big A or whatever they were calling, the Red Co, whatever they were calling her, um, because that was the first time that they had a trans character on the show and they made her the villain and I when I was younger that just didn't sit right with me and I had also gotten to a point where I was just like I, I'm so done with this show <laughs> like I was just fatigued of the show and that for me was kind of like I don't think I'm gonna keep watching um and I knew that they were gonna do a time jump pretty soon after so I was just like at that point I was like I, I don't know if I want to keep watching but I enjoyed rewatching the whole thing um, it's a really fun show. Like, I really recommend you watch it. I really recommend you rewatch it if you watched it when you were younger, but you don't fully remember because it's like so fascinating to watch. I don't know, the Ari and Ezra relationship, like the way I viewed it as a kid and like the way I view it now as a 23 year old adult. Because when I watched the show for the first time, I was closer to Arya's age in the relationship. And now I'm like the age Ezra would have like is at the beginning. And I just, don't get me wrong. Like, I no, actually, when I, I was going to say, don't get me wrong, I always thought it was gross, but I didn't. I was like, I always knew it was like wrong. And like, as I got older, I feel like once I got to like, probably maybe 16, 17, like I, I did understand that it was wrong, but I was like, there are characters on a TV show, so it's not a big deal. But I think now I'm like, it is a big deal because you shouldn't depict that to 16 year olds who like are watching it being like it's not a big deal or like that's sexy and that's attractive and it's just so interesting to me now as a and I always like liked my teachers and feel, felt like I connected to my teachers and viewed my teachers like as my friends um I always like respected that there was a boundary and like a level of authority they had over me obviously um like I wasn't treating my teachers like we were peers because we weren't but I always had a connection to teachers so I I don't know on some level I feel like when I was younger I shipped them and I liked them together and I was like well the age difference isn't as bad I feel like when it really shifted for me when I was watching the show originally was when we found out that he knew the whole time how old she was and that he was writing a book on her missing friend whom he had known before to me I feel like that was the turning point where I was like Ezra's a creep but before that I was like well they met he didn't know you know I was more along that line and now as a 23 year old like watching the entire thing was so like frustrating to me I was like what the fuck is going on in the town of Rosewood and not just that relationship like there's so many relationships where it's like these are grown men as a 23 year 23 year old I can't even imagine like dating an 18 year old like why how would you God, if I met somebody in high school right now, that that's like a child to me. I don't even know. And 
one of the most like frustrating things rewatching it was that the conversation was always about how she is your student and you're her teacher. It was never like she's a minor. Like literally they were like, like when her parents found out, they were like, with your student? I'm like, um, what about the fact that he's 23 dating a 16 year old girl? Like he quits his job and suddenly it's like, well, now we can date because I'm not your teacher. It's like, no, you are still a felon. <laughs> Go to jail. I don't know. It's just baffling, baffling to watch. There's like one character, his like ex, Jackie, I think is her name, who is like, she's a minor. And I'm like, Jackie, I love you, girl. And I hated her when I first watched it anyways. But it's a really fun show. I like all the reference to twins <laughs> as a twin. Um, I really recommend, I, I recommend watching it. If you don't want to watch that, I do recommend watching Mike's Mike, like deep, Mike's Mike's <laughs> deep dive on it all three parts it's so good it's so good i still rewatch it sometimes he's doing one on gossip girl and i'm really excited um another show i rewatched was the oc because i moved to california and i didn't move to orange county but i was like i love the oc i really do um big i i, I don't have anything intelligent to say i recommend it if you've never seen the oc but you like shows like gossip girl um i do really recommend it because it's a it's that same like vibe of like rich people um but they're in orange county the whole show starts with this kid ryan like stealing a car with his older brother and his public defense attorney is sandy cohen legend icon king um and he takes him home to his house in orange county and he's like i didn't think your kind of lawyer <laughs> made that much money he's like i don't my wife does his wife's loaded so um yeah, and it it's about Sandy Cohen's family with his son, Seth Cohen, who becomes, like, really close friends with Ryan, and eventually they become legal guardians of Ryan, and it's kind of, like, really interesting to watch his dynamic in this town and the way Seth grows and the way Ryan— Like, it, it, the characters are great. The story's great. It's the equal, equal amounts, like, funny with, like, drama and, like, intrigue and, like, tension. Um, I just—I recommend the OC, like, 100% you should watch it. Gilmore Girls, I'm perpetually re-watching Gilmore Girls. Right now I'm on season two. I like literally watch like the whole series all at once. I'm, I'm My sister is more like the kind of person where she'll, she'll re-watch specific episodes. I like to watch, like I need to start from like season one and go all the way to, to the end um, when I'm re-watching. Um, and then the last show I have on my list before I wrap up this episode um, is... A show called Sweet Vicious. I wrote an article about it when I was in college. It came out in 2016. Um, if you watched the movie Do Revenge or you've seen the movie Someone Great, the director of both of those movies um, created Sweet Vicious. It's, it's a really great show. Honestly, Do Revenge is kind of Sweet Vicious-esque in the Sweet Vicious is about um, these two girls who are like vigilantes on their college campus and it's so good the writing's really good it only had one season because it was canceled on mtv but my sister introduced it to me and i love the show and if you can watch it i recommend it i have it purchased on itunes because i don't think it's on streaming anywhere but if it is please correct me um but i, I really recommend it i really do jen caden robinson is a legend an icon a queen um and taylor swift wrote vigilante shit about jewels and ophelia so that is my thoughts lots of rambles lots of tangents on the shows i watched in 2022 i'm excited to see 
what new shows I will discover in 2023, what new shows will come out in 2023, seasons of shows I already watched that will come out. And I'm excited to talk about it now that I have honed in on a focus for this podcast. I started this podcast when I didn't really have anything to do in my parents' house when I was unemployed at the beginning of this year. And it gave me purpose and it gave me motivation um, in a time when I really, I didn't have any. It gave me a creative outlet. It gave me a place to talk about things that I was thinking and feeling. Um, Yeah, this podcast, despite the fact that it's still very small and not that many people listen, and I'm really just doing it for fun and because I care about it deeply, really... It, it brought me so much in 2022 and I'm excited to keep growing it. I care so much about this podcast and I'm going to keep making it and keep talking into a microphone once a week and editing it, even if nobody listens, because I, I find so much joy in this and I could talk for hours. I'm excited to talk about TV going forward um, and I hope you listen and I hope if you've heard one episode or all of them and you like it, that you'll consider following me wherever you listen to podcasts. Turn notifications on so you get notified when I release episodes. This one might be out a little bit later than normal. I typically release episodes at um, on Fridays at noon Pacific, so 3 p.m. Eastern. Follow my other social media if you want updates or glimpses into my life, if you find me interesting. If you have any comments, critiques, feedback. I appreciate all of it. And I think that this podcast will hopefully just keep getting better. Hopefully new podcast like logo and art and all of that in 2023. I have some fun ideas that I want to do because I don't love the one I have right now. I just kind of pieced it together and yeah, have a very nice new year. Thank you so much for listening. And here is to a better year. (laughs) 2022 is crazy. I, I, I'm excited for 2023. Three is my favorite number. So I will see you next year. (laughs) Bye, guys.